Hi, I'm Emily Salaby, founder of Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company, and your host on the Hazard Girls podcast here on Jacket Media. I'm so honored to host this show where I get to chat with Hazard Girls about their careers. Hazard Girls is an online community for women working in traditionally male-dominated fields. On our show, you'll get to hear from these amazing women about the path that led them to their current careers, challenges they've overcome, advice for other women in entering these industries, and more. Our guests today are four women who make up an all-female geologist crew in Montana, USA, in one of the world's largest platinum mines. The mine they work in is part of a leading international precious metals mining company with a diverse portfolio of platinum group metal operations known as PGM in the United States and Southern Africa, gold operations and projects in South Africa, and copper, gold, and PGM exploration properties in North and South America. It is the world's largest primary producer of platinum and rhodium, the second largest primary producer of palladium, and a top-tier gold producer. The geologists we have here today are Jessica Scanlon, Rachel Toller, Alicia Randall, and Krista Laux. All four are grade control geologists, meaning they work underground every day directly with the miners. It is their job to determine the grade of the rock they are seeing and determine it to be ore or waste. It's also a huge part of their job to map the rock faces and steer the miners in the right direction to follow the ore body. So, okay, listeners at home, raise your hand if you are as fascinated by this as I am. I was trying to think of the word to describe it, and I was going to say glamorous, but and that's, that wasn't the word. So then I was like, okay, adventurous. This is a super adventurous type job, but I was like, that doesn't quite describe it. So then I thought, swashbuckling. It's just, it's cool. There's just something so literary and romantic about it. Am I crazy? What do you think, ladies? Absolutely not, though. I've never described it as swashbuckling. <laughs> I might want to put that on a t-shirt. <laughs> Yeah, we put like swashbuckling geologists on our t-shirt. Can I wear like an eye patch? <laughs> well, this is our first time interviewing a group. So we're going to have each of you introduce yourselves and tell us what your path was to geology, how you got interested in rocks, and how you ended up as a mine geologist. So Jessica, we'll start with you. Sure. So this is Jess. I was pretty interested in rocks from a very young age. Like everybody else, like I had a whole rock collection you know, you don't know a kid that doesn't have a rock collection, right? So my dad owns a construction company and him and my mom really encouraged me to go into geological engineering, which is what I did at Montana Tech. Um, I originally went to study tunneling and earthquakes, but Montana Tech is a big mining school. So I was introduced to mining there and I joined the mining team as well as a couple other professional organizations. And then I spent two summers working at the mine that we all currently work at, which is super awesome. And I was even an underground tour guide at the mine on campus, which is really cool. After school, I briefly moved to Seattle to be a civil engineer. Um, and then after that, I quickly came back to mining because that's my true passion. And so I've been working there ever since. I love that. Okay. Alicia, how about you? Hey, uh, this is Alicia. I got into rocks at an early age too. I used to go fossil hunting with my parents. Uh, I grew up on a 
rock formation called the Nyabora Shale. And I found a lot of cool fossils, a baculite, which is like the hard part of a squid and things like that. And I grew up near like a lot of metamorphic rocks that are just beautiful, really cool uplift and things like that. And just like always asking questions, you go up and you see those things and you're like, how does this even happen? And yeah, I like, I wanted to answer those. So, but yeah, so I went to school at Western State Colorado University in Gunnison, Colorado, and got a degree in geology, uh, minor in Spanish. I ran collegiate cross country and track and field for a majority of my college career. But yeah, so now I started working in the lab for a company at a molybdenum mine and then was promoted to geologist and moved to a copper mine, open pit copper mine, and then started working at two separate mines while I was there and doing like open pit geology type stuff. So, and then I got a job where we all work together now. So I think that's so interesting. I feel like a lot of scientists will say that they first got into their field because they were just questioning everything. Like, why, why is it like this? Why did this happen? Yeah, it's, it's good to question. I think it's, it makes life a lot more interesting. So. I feel like it's a common thread among scientists. So that makes sense to me. Yeah. Okay, Krista, your turn. Hi, this is Krista. I'm originally from just outside of Spokane, Washington, Eastern Washington. I went to get my bachelor's at Eastern Washington University. Like everyone else, I've always loved rocks. Fossils is really my passion. While I was in college, I got the opportunity to intern with a silver lead mine in the panhandle of Idaho and really kind of got hooked on mining as well. I enjoyed the pace. Mm -hmm. While I continued my degree, I worked for the USGS as an intern, field assistant, and laboratory technician and kind of got a taste of what it's like doing research work. After I finished my degree, I spent part of a summer working for a PhD student studying the deposit that we all currently work with, but just from a surface perspective, and that helped me get the job I currently have. But yeah, I love geology too. <laughs> it's so interesting to hear the path. You're all relatively young, I think. So you've, you've all gotten into the field in recent years. So it's so interesting, I think, to young women and young people who are looking to maybe explore this field to hear the path that you took to get there. So thank you for sharing that. Okay, Rachel, let's hear from you. Hi, this is Rachel. So my path was actually a little bit different than everyone else's. I originally went to Colorado State University to be a large animal vet, and I was kind of on the fence as I was pursuing that degree and didn't really know if that was my true calling. So I sat down with actually my boyfriend's dad and just kind of asked him, like, what do you do? because he obviously did very well for himself. And he told me um, he was a geologist and how he had had a career in mining. And he kind of described it to me. And I was like, huh, well, that just that seems really interesting. So I uh, kind of pursued that and got an internship at a mine there in Colorado. And it was it was an open pit mine. And just seeing the the logistical problem of mining and how all these different departments have to work together and to just tackle such a job, it really, I thought it was so cool. And just seeing all the giant equipment and of course the ore deposit, you get to see some pretty rocks. Honestly, I'd say I got interested in rocks after I got into mining. And from that internship, I just stuck with it and went to Nevada, mined there a little bit, and then ended up here at Stillwater. Well, Rachel, 
you were in the Air Force, which is another very male-dominated space, and then you moved into mining. So did being in the military prepare you at all for the challenges of a traditionally male space? Can you talk about that? Yeah, so I originally joined the military just to pay for school. I actually joined Air National Guard as an F-16 crew chief. So that's essentially a mechanic on the fighter jets. And yes, that's that's an incredibly male-dominated field. And I would definitely say it was kind of a wake-up call to what I was getting myself into. There's, you know, a lot of quote-unquote shop talk that goes around and you you got to have a thick skin. So it took a little getting used to, for sure. But I definitely think that it helped me get ready for mining because similar stuff, you're exposed to a lot of shop talk and got to have a thick skin. But to be honest, equally so in the military, I had, you know, all my coworkers were very supportive. I was lucky. I, I never felt discriminated against or anything like that. So, so that was a real plus. And then, yeah, just just working with the guys and, and figuring out what that's all about. Well, you're also a parachute packer. Did I get that right? Yes, that's correct. I recently quit being a F-16 crew chief when I moved to Montana, simply because they don't have F-16s at my new unit up here. So now I'm a parachute packer, which is just essentially inspecting all of the pilot survival gear, repairing it if it needs repairing, and just making sure that pilots are ready to tackle anything on their on their mission. So would you consider yourself a risk taker? I've never been in a mine. Um, I've been on tours, I guess, of caves and things. But to me, it seems like a little bit of a risky situation. So do you feel like you're a risk taker? And if so... Does that aspect of your personality tie into your love of the mining industry? You know, working in mining and and especially the military does have inherent risks. But I think more so instead of saying, t- saying that I'm a risk taker, I would say I'm a thoughtful risk taker because <laughs> you're, you're always trying to measure, you know, what are you doing? Is there a safer way? Is there a better way? How can we make ourselves safer and and honestly everyone around us. So yeah, there is a lot of risk that is associated with the things that I do, but there's no reason to just accept risk at face value. You know, there's always a way to do it a little bit safer, a little bit smarter, a little better. So just always trying to mitigate risk and be thoughtful about it. Well, this one's for Alicia. The mine is made up of a majority of mill workers. Can you tell us a little bit about the stats on women in the industry and, you know, as being a woman in the minority there, how did you all end up working together in the mine? And was that by design? Did they put you together? How did that happen? So I'll answer that last one first. It was just a coincidence. I had asked to be my roommate's opposite so that our dogs could be watched. It just happened the way it did when I came in. So before that, though, with Krista and Jess and Rachel, they were all on their same crew. So I'm not sure how that came about. Probably just coincidence. But yeah, it's a heavily male-dominated field. So like we make up 20% of our department as females. And so, but it's really cool that we all can work together. It's really nice to have other females to work with. It's really empowering. And yeah, it just is nice because it, it gives a lot of opportunity for other people. This, if they see this representation, they feel more welcome in an environment that is majority male. Yeah. Well, what do you love about mining? What's good about it? The, I get to see like cool rocks. Every face I come to, like 
only a handful of people have ever seen ever. There's not many places you get to go where you are the one of the first and last people that are ever going to see something, you know, see that again. So it's just like unexplored. It's like the surface of the world is pretty like adventured, you know? And so it's really nice to like be somewhere new, seeing new things. And there's like such pretty, there's so many cool rocks. There's so many cool geologic phenomenons that happen that you just have to like sit and understand. And a lot of like thinking spatially and like just always thinking, always trying to learn new stuff. So I like that. (laughs) So interesting. Well, this one's for Krista. So for me, it's really hard for me to picture what it looks like in the mine. I've seen some photos that Jessica took down there and it's very dark. And then I've seen pictures of Jessica actually emerged covering in dirt. So Krista, why why don't you tell us what's it like down there and describe a day in the life of a geologist down there in the mine? Yeah. So a day in the life. I think the most important thing would be to say first is we don't always work day shift. At this mine, we are on a rotating schedule. Every other rotation we are on for five days at a time, we are on night shift. So we could be coming at in at 6 a.m. or 6 p.m. But nevertheless, our day starts off with we'll go to our workstations, our computers, our desks. We'll check some assays that we may have sent in the previous day or our opposite crew member may have sent in so that we can get an idea of what the faces or an area is running like. Then we'll go down to where all of our miners meet up. They all are separated into different areas of the mine. And we'll go in there. We'll go through either their pass downs from their opposites or the lead man or shifter for that area will have a pass down as well. And that's how we'll learn where we need to go first, if there's anything ready for geology. Once we have that information, we'll pack up all of our gear. Here we use like survey vests, these reflective red vests that have pockets for all your favorite tools, you know, pencils, notebooks, measuring tapes, distos, everything. And we'll go out to our rig and drive to our area underground. This mine has a lot of portals. Some of it is accessed via a shaft station. So you can cage down to all of your, some of your levels. The area where I work, you can only drive in. And then we'll go drive to those areas that are ready for us and do our markups. And again, a markup consists of marking out where the ore is in this face. And we're going to map it all. We're going to write down all of our measurements. And we're going to provide, whether the miner is there or not, we're going to provide some direction on where to go with this next face. Imagine the best way to describe mentally a mining area is to say you're mining out a big rectangle and you're seeing the end of each rectangle a new box or part of that rectangle will be taken out Mm -hmm. and then you'll come back and see that then we'll do that for the rest of our day going and meeting with all the miners looking at some of the active areas and giving them guidance when that's all done we'll come out at the end of the day if we have any samples that we've taken that we want assay information back 
within 24 hours. We'll rush those. We'll put those in a specific area so that they'll get taken to the lab. And then we'll come up top. We have a computer system that we put all of our data in. And then we'll physically map everything out on pencil and paper on these maps, color in or, and we'll write a pass down for our opposites. And there's a few other small things we'll do too, if we have some extra time. I just have to ask you a question about the vests. How do they fit? <laughs> they are big and bulky. It also depends on how much stuff you like to cram in it. If you're like me, I have two to three of everything. If I know, even if I don't know it's in there, it's probably in there. But that's just me personally. Everybody sets up their vests differently. They're not shapely. I'm a small person. I'm 5'4". So they're pretty bulky. It frustrates me at times because they frequently get caught on things. And I swear a little bit under my breath and continue what I'm doing. Yeah. I was just curious. Yeah, I was just curious because this is... Now, this is an issue that a lot of women face in various industries. So I was just wondering about that because it's such a crucial part of your job to have that vest and to have it have all your materials in it. Yeah. Well, I'm going to move on to Jessica. Jessica, from your photos that I've seen on Instagram, it looks like you have a lot of fun at work and you've spoken you know, about the importance of having a good time at work and keeping everything pleasant and cordial for morale. So how can you balance a fun atmosphere for both men and women on the job um, and the positive morale that goes with that with getting the work done and the seriousness of that? Yeah, definitely work comes first. We do have a lot of fun, as like you said, you've seen, but work always comes first. And I think it's important to have a positive morale. I can't speak for the men that we work with, but I know our geo crew definitely tries our best to stay positive. It makes the work week go by a lot faster. It allows us to be better with each other. We're not getting on each other's nerves and stuff, as you might imagine with an all-woman crew. Um, I know that's a huge stereotype that women are always catty. With anyone anyone in those quarters like that for a long time. Right, yeah. So I think us being able to have fun and balance work and fun, and I think that's a huge part for us, just getting through the work week and having just a more positive work experience. We do work long hours, like Krista said, and day and night shift, and it definitely takes a toll. So being able to smile and have a little bit of fun occasionally really helps. All right. This is also for you, Jess. You've all told us the story of how you discovered mining. So I was wondering, do you think it's important to bring the awareness of the mining industry as a career choice to others, especially girls and young women? And what are some ways that you can do that? Yeah, I definitely think a lot of people, both men and women, overlook the mining industry because it is a tough environment and the schedule sucks and that kind of stuff. But one of my favorite mottos in the whole world is if it can't be grown, it must be mined. Mm -hmm. So mining is such an important industry. And I think overall, it's made huge strides in both technology and safety, environmental aspects. And so I think it's definitely more valid career choice than people think it is. A lot of companies, including ours, is doing a lot of work with STEM activities. So like our company sponsors the local Girl Scout Council and a lot of their STEM activities. I'm huge into Girl Scouts. I always have been. So I do a lot of volunteering with that. And I think it's really important to just get the outreach out there into schools, into community programs and that kind of stuff. That's great. That's so important. Well, this one's for Krista, but I think everyone can pipe in if you have something to say about this. I'd like to know what 
challenges you faced in the industry, you know, as a woman in the field, being in the minority, and how you have dealt with them. So this is Krista. As we've addressed a little bit before, I mean, it's not just the big things, it's the little things. So for example, when I try to find steel toe and metatarsal boots for work, for my underground work part, it's very difficult. I frequently am getting boots that are too big for me, that don't fit well. They can be painful. I have found a company that does make a size small enough for me. They're expensive though. They're double what some other brands are. I do get reimbursed for that by the company, but still it's a barrier. If we go Almost all of our safety gear is designed for, or, you know, just even like our shirts, our reflective shirts. It's very, very hard to find smalls. Frequently everything, you know, even if it is said to be a small, is meant or designed for a very, (laughs) for a small, large male. (laughs) So, you know, it's two sizes of what a normal small would be. There are companies that are focusing on making gear and safety products and clothing for women who work in industry. And it's awesome, unfortunately, because of their design costs and their production costs, it means the product is kind of expensive. Mm -hmm. But there is people who are working on it. I think some of the other difficulties is with mining comes a mentality. Now, every mine has a different that I've been to has a different mentality and kind of almost cliquish aspect to it. For example, when people find out that I'm not from Montana, the miners find out I'm not from Montana, I'm from Washington, I get some comments about it. And they're often very pointed and I'm causing, you know, housing prices to rise, you know, I'm the reason why there's now a Panera in Billings, silly things like that. But um, Panera is delicious. So <laughs> debatable, but we'll come back to that later. <laughs> but and then the other thing is it's definitely a boys club and things are changing and like I said every mine is different. Not everybody there used to be and still is in some areas a lot of aggression towards females underground. It was seen as bad luck. Is that an old-fashioned, like an old-fashioned superstition? Yes. So it started out a long time ago as a superstition that a woman underground was bad luck. Oh my gosh. Especially a redheaded woman. So yeah, yeah that sucks. Um, <laughs> Heathens, guys. <laughs> cursing the mine. Oh my but on, on a positive note, I mean, since I've worked in mining, I really haven't heard that like in person. So it's, you know, it was out there at one point and it's probably still out there in in those small little dusty corners of the mining industry. But like I say, I I don't think it's nearly as prevalent as it used to be. So at least there's a positive note there. Right. Yeah. I think a lot of companies, I was just looking at some social media while I was browsing here. A lot of companies, I think, are working really to change that image. Like I know our company posted a picture for like National Women's Day and stuff like that. And so I think that's definitely a positive note and an up and coming thing. Yeah. It seems like a small thing, but it's showing their support. So it's nice. I think it's like really important to note that there are a lot more females graduating with geoscience degrees than there have been 
over the last eight years, it's been 41%. So I would hope at some point we see 50. It'd just be mm-hmm. nice to have that just because it wouldn't be so weird to have a woman in the workplace if that's just the norm. That's great. So just like to be able to get to a norm would be amazing. And I'd like to have, we've got some great female, two really great female bosses that are just like, it's so nice to have that because we do experience things that are different that I think a man can't really understand. And so it's nice to have a woman up above you to go to, to talk to just to have. And it's also good because like people and girls and anyone is going to see that there's these women that are making their way to the top and mm-hmm. they're going to see it as a possibility. It's going to be like, if she can do what I can do it, it's not going to be a dream because it's a possibility. So yeah. like, I think it'd be really nice for us to just all it just to be normal for us to be yeah. there. And it, it, that would just make it easy. And it like, there's, there are issues that come up there. I mean, the company has a responsibility to uphold issues related to gender and we expect them to, and there's laws in place. So those really help like having some regulation on that. So you really don't see as many problems if you have like more women in the workplace just to go to and express issues. Yeah. That's good to hear that that's changing a little bit, Alicia. Yeah. You mentioned something about working in some other mines and I know Alicia has worked in two other ones. Is that right, Alicia? And Rachel has worked. I've worked in three. Okay. You've worked in three and Rachel. And then four, including this one. Oh, okay. Yeah. That's quite a few. And then Rachel, you mentioned that you worked at Creek Gold Mine. So directing this at Rachel, can you tell us, you know, Cripple Creek is an open pit gold mine. Can you describe that? You know, just we just kind of want to imagine what it's like there, and if you could tell us a little bit about what it's like to work there as a woman, if that's even relevant, you can go ahead and fill us in on that. Yeah, Cripple Creek is what they call open pit. So some people know that also as strip mining. It's definitely more visual because you have a giant pit literally on the surface which you can just walk up to that pit and, I mean, pretty much see the bottom. But, yeah, it's just a different style of mining, to be honest. And, and then Cribble Creek, they're mining gold instead of the platinum, palladium, like still water. But, no, it's, it's a really cool sight to see. I mean, the pit is thousands of feet deep, a couple miles across. They actually have two pits. And they use different equipment. Their equipment is much, much larger. They have, for example, haul trucks that haul up to 400 tons of material. The tires on those trucks are 12 foot tall. It's just a whole, just different logistical mess. But that's one of the reasons I came to Stillwater is because, you know, I kind of got that exposure to the open pit environment. And it was like, well, I want to see what the whole underground environment is like. And I don't know, as far as being as far as being a woman in both workplaces, it, it was similar, you know, I mean, I didn't have any horribly negative experiences at either place, either Stillwater or Cripple Creek. But I mean it's definitely I'm still a minority there for sure and, and that definitely changes the dynamics of things. Well Jessica, this one's for you. What's your advice for young women looking to enter the mining industry? How can they get involved in it? Sure. There's definitely a lot of organizations around. There's the Society of Women Engineers, if you're going to be a mining engineer or geological engineer. There's the mining societies. There's all sorts of help and organizations out there to help women in mining and kind of provide a good community. And so, of course, the Hazard Girls community has been big for me. 
I love seeing all the different ladies on there. And so my advice is just to reach out and get experimenting. If you can work at Open Pit and Underground like Rachel, I mean, that's definitely a good idea. A lot of people don't like the underground mining because you never see the sun. So (laughs) definitely just get out, get as much advice and experience and connections that you can. Networking, right? Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, that's Jessica's advice. I'd love to hear just the line of, you know, one piece of advice the others here could give to a young woman looking to enter the mining industry. What's the one piece of advice that you would give? This is Krista. Definitely don't get intimidated or lose hope. I know I talked about some things, you know, some of those challenges, but someone tells you something, well, oh, girls don't do that and be like, well, this girl wants to, and this girl will. Sometimes you just have to have faith in yourself. I know it's really hard, especially as a woman, kind of overcoming that and being, I wouldn't say aggressive, but straightforward is really hard. Don't take any of the things like, oh man, that sounds really hard too seriously. I think one of the best things a lot of young women in sciences can do is get internships. They're basically like trial courses. It's like the 30-day you can cancel at any time subscription. (laughs) So that way you can see, do I want to do research? Do I want to do industry? Maybe maybe mining's not right for me. And that's okay. There's some people who hate going underground. It gives them a lot of anxiety and that's okay. There's tons of options out there. That would be my advice is don't lose hope. Have a little faith and try some things out. Yeah, that's important. Alicia, how about you? Do you have a piece of advice for women who are either looking to get into the mining industry or just maybe they're in the mining industry or they're in a similar field or in a STEM field? Um, What's some advice for women working in these male-dominated industries? So there's always going to be issues, gender issues, things like that. But the more, like there are days where I'm just like fed up with something that happens that shouldn't be okay or a normal thing. But like just in society in general. And I just have to think that I want to be at the top or I want to be something, not at the top, but I want to be something that other girls can look up to because that meant a lot to me. I've had coworkers that I can look up to and like that just like knowing that that's there is something that keeps me goal oriented and keeps me thinking I want to be that for someone I want to be. I want them to know that they have a space here too. So I think like the more women that we have in these fields, the more equality that we can create for it, the less of a pink tax we have, the more understanding of like of just women and men working together, not being an issue, things like that will go away. It's just going to be a normal thing. So I just would like advise people to just not give up and keep your goals and keep motivated because what you do if you're a female in a male dominated space is not just doing something for you. It's doing something for all the girls that are going to be looking up to you. So I would just say, just like, I mean, and geology is so cool. There's so many cool rocks you get to look at. There's so many cool mountains. You can go look at a mountain and know what happened. You have a good idea. You can go look at a rock and know what it was before it was a rock that can melt. You can just like, it's just so cool. And you can just delve into science and really broaden. It just makes the universe so much bigger than just where we've been normally placed. Thank you. How about you, Rachel? What's your piece of advice? My piece of advice is just stick into your guns. Don't get discouraged no matter what happens. And make sure that every experience you have 
positive or negative, make sure you just sit back, take a look at that experience and know, okay, what went right, what went wrong, what you can do next time. Internships, as far as getting into our specific industry, are huge. You know, any any chance you can get to have industry experiences, I mean, it is worth its weight in gold. And then lastly, support your sisters along the way. I've I've never seen, you know, a stronger power come together than when women come together and just uplift each other and support each other. You know, there's no reason to be butting heads or being jealous or anything. Just have a little fun with it, just like what we're trying to do every day and just uplift each other, support each other, encourage each other to just keep going on. Jessica Scanlon, Rachel Toller, Alicia Randall, Krista Laux. Thank you so much to all of you for taking the time to do this today. We saw the incredible photo of the four of you in your mining gear. I think it was on Instagram, Facebook, everywhere. And we knew we had to hear the story. It's not a career many girls and young women know about or even have heard of. So we really appreciate you being here today to share your story. Yeah, thanks so much for having us. We appreciate it. Thank you. We appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I just want to say that I'm uh, to you guys that I'm just really happy to have this experience and work with such awesome women. So I just want to say thank you. It means a lot to have that kind of representation and support. So you guys are so smart and I love you. (laughs) We love you too, Alicia. I can't wait to make my TikToks with you guys next week. Check them out on TikTok. What's the TikTok account? Uh oh. <laughs> the TikTok account is private, but uh, I post all the good ones on my Instagram. Okay. All right, sounds good. <laughs> you have been listening to the Hazard Girls podcast on Jacket Media, sponsored by Juno Jones, the stylish safety boot company. That's junojonesshoes.com. And you can go there to learn about our steel toe boots and to join the Hazard Girls community. I'm your host, Emily Salaby. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.